I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We have intro music now. We are so back. Good morning, afternoon, evening to all you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. Today is Friday, May 19th, 2023, and so we are going to recap a three-game series that the Royals played against the San Diego Padres and also talk about some other things like is the pitching staff going to move forward? The move that they've had to make with this pitching staff, Brad Keller, Brady Singer, their recent performances, as well as some offensive performers, Vinny Pasquantino breaking out of a slump. What does this offense look like while he's in a slump? And some other notable performers like Bobby Wood Jr. Should he stay at leadoff position? What does he need to do going forward? And all that good stuff. By the way, on this podcast, I am not going to do the series preview that we have against the Chicago White Sox like I would normally do at the end of all these episodes. And that is because I have already talked about the White Sox with a White Sox fan on the Visiting Dugout podcast. It's another podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. It's part of the Sox Populi podcast sort of family they've got going on there a bunch of white Sox fans doing some podcasts over there there's some they do some pretty cool stuff so you want to hear me talk about some more royal stuff and also talk about the white Sox a little bit go check out this podcast i will link it in the description or the show notes or however the hell podcasts work so first let's get into some roster updates some changes that the royals have made to this thing so one is um you kind of hope that this will be we, not, I, don't, I don't think it's been known, it's been made clear what the exact reason for this is, but Amir Garrett um, had a family emergency, so he is out temporarily. In the meantime, the Royals have called up Jackson Kowar, it looks like. Jackson Kowar is one of the 2018 draft picks. He's someone that we have had a lot of. Uh, excitement for in the past he was a former top 100 prospect and he's come into the league just terrible 46 innings pitched 10.76 era it's been pretty miserable watching jackson kowar pitch unfortunately uh one can only hope that he will be a little bit better this time around in omaha he has 20 20.2 innings pitched with a 7.84 era he is walking almost as many batters as brad keller which is to say, 
a lot. Although at least he strikes out more batters than Brad Keller. I don't really know. No one seems to know what the deal is with Jackson Kowar, but that's kind of where we're at with this pitching staff. We have to rely on Jackson Kowar at least a little bit because Mir Garrett, hopefully uh, whatever he's going with is okay. Um, you know, we wish him all the best. And um, yeah, but yeah. We have to call up Jackson Kowar now. It's come to this. And also, Ryan Yarbrough was placed on the 60-day injured list for the skull fractures he suffered a week or two ago. Um, no surprise here. It's Well, not the skull fractures, like the head fractures. I don't think it was actually a skull fracture. I don't really know what the difference is anyway. Uh, point is, scary sounding injury so he's on the 60 day injured list not really surprising there um i'm actually kind of surprised the royals didn't do that earlier like they put him on the 15 day il and i just thought like oh this injury must not be as severe as it sounds but then they put him on the 60 day now it's like oh yeah okay never mind and so the royals have called up mike myers from triple a omaha now uh kind of like what i was saying with Jackson Kowar, this is not really someone you want to be relying on in your in your major league pitching staff. Just in general, he's basically a quadruple A wanderer. He's a he's a he's a journeyman pitcher. This year so far, he's posted a 6.88 ERA in Omaha in 34 innings, eight starts. Um, so you know when he was when he was uh, signed to Kansas City when he was a when he was given like a, a minor league deal with this team, I kind of described him as like a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy. Like we're we're if if we have to see this guy, something has gone terribly wrong. Well, it looks like something has gone terribly wrong because he's on the major league roster right now. Yay! Speaking of AAA Omaha, by the way, where in the world is Tucker Wade Bradley? All right, my guy, Tucker Bradley, my favorite prospect because he's so under the radar and no one else talks about him. No one else appreciates him like I do, except his wife. He, he, his wife absolutely just completely stands him on Twitter, and I think that is hilarious and adorable. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Tucker Bradley's wife. Anyway, Mr. Bradley was, uh, he, he had a three-a-game on his birthday, which we talked about, I think the last time we did this segment, and then he had a he played in a four game series. I don't actually know if it was four games, whatever. Uh, he played four games against the AAA Yankees team and only got one hit and two walks over those four games. So not very good. However, his start after that, which was on Thursday, he got a two hit game. He went two for four with an RBI double. So that's pretty good. We'll take those, especially because at the AAA level, Drew Waters is actually not doing so well right now, so far. I mean, it's just a rehab assignment. It's only eight games, but he's hitting 188 with a 235 on base, 250 slugging. He is He's only hit two doubles. Those are all of his extra base hits so far. So not looking super good for Drew Waters so far. Hopefully he can, you know, pick it up, especially as he gets closer to the major league level. But hey, you know, if Drew Waters doesn't work out, I know of someone else who, who can play in the outfield at the Major League level. I, I have some ideas. Call up Tucker Bradley today. Tucker Bradley, 2023. And now let's do the deluxe moment. Although admittedly, it was a little bit difficult choosing which moment to go with this series. 
because it looked like he was looking it at home plate. And now a called third strike. So Chapman walks the lead. And I, I decided to go with the uh, strikeout to end the inning by Eroldis Chapman. He threw a pitch 103.8 miles per hour to strike out Jake Cronenworth. It is tied with Jordan Hicks for the fastest pitch thrown in MLB this season. Eroldis Chapman, uh, when was the last time he threw a pitch that fast? Probably like 2017, 2018 maybe. I'm going to stall for time while I load up StatCast so I can actually figure this out. So I sound more like a smart guy instead of a dumb guy. All right. Um, yeah, I don't actually know. Point is, Eroldis Chapman, he throws hard. Um, give us all of your prospects right now. All right, now let's talk about this three-game series against the Padres. This is a this was a really really weird series. Um, so when we played the Brewers, we got swept by them, and I was saying that you know we we got swept, but it wasn't actually as bad as you know a sweep might imply. Because sure, you know, obviously the Royals didn't win any of these games, but they at least made a couple of them close. You know, one of them was against Corbin Burns, and you know, he's just a really good pitcher. It, it felt like the Royals were outmatched more so than they were just like an outright bad team, necessarily. If that makes sense, if that's a comfortable way of putting it. Like, the Royals had some good things going for them in this series. They just couldn't really put it together to win because they just played a better team who wouldn't let them win. Okay. Well, this three-game series against the Padres, the Royals won two out of three. So they uh, lost on Monday by a score of zero to four. Wednesday, they won by five to four. And then, uh, sorry, Tuesday. That was Tuesday's game. Then Wednesday, they won four to three. So they took two out of three from the Padres. But this is... um. Not a series where I would say they played well. Like, like this is what's so weird. You know, as I say, good things happen to them in the Brewers series. Bad things happen to the Royals in the Padres series. They still just happen to win two out of three games. This was a mess of a series. Like, this was just a, a series of calamities and disasters. Ow! See, I can't even talk about it without hurting myself. I just banged my knee into my desk. Ow! This is what Royals baseball does to me. Um, man, where was I? Yeah, it, th this was just a messy series where it looked like two bad teams played some bad baseball over a three-game series. And that's not something you would uh, want to say about the Padres going into this season because that team has too much talent to not be winning baseball games. But... Man, it like like really, it just looked like the entire time they didn't even want to win. They're just like, nah, it's okay, it's okay. You can you can take this game. You can have it. So uh, I would say the one maybe just outright bad game the Royals had was on Monday. They faced Michael Waka and almost got no hit. They got no hit through six innings, and it's funny because I was uh, sleeping through that. I I wake up. And I see that this is happening. It's, it's it's six innings, no hits. I just like get up and I just post online. I'm like, hey, why don't you just hit the baseball? And then literally next time the Royals come up to hit, they get a hit. 
<laughs> it was Michael Massey who broke that up. Funny enough, there was a one walk given up in this game by Michael Waka. He struck out 11 in seven innings, by the way. So, I don't know. He had our number, I suppose. But the one walk was given up to Bobby Witt Jr., of all guys. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible for Bobby Wood Jr. to walk or anything, just that it seems unlikely that out of all the hitters in this lineup, Bobby would be the one to take the walk. I just thought that was pretty interesting, and we'll talk a little bit about Bobby in a minute. But this game was just terrible, and especially because Brad Keller was pitching. Brad Keller pitched eight outs. Wait, that's not true. He... Sorry, three, three, in, three and two-thirds innings, that is not eight outs. I, for some reason, thought it was. Um, it's actually 11 outs because I know how baseball works. But I just wanted to highlight how absurd it is that he issued eight walks in the game. He couldn't even get out of the fourth inning. He threw 94 pitches. 39 of them were strikes. Eight walks in the entire game. And yet, this is how this is how bad the Padres are. They only got three hits, two earned runs. How do you only score two runs against the guy who walks you eight times? Come on, Padres. What is wrong with you? The, the, Brad Keller was literally just asking to be beaten up. Just like, come on. He's like, he's like the Joker in the Dark Knight. He's like, hit me, hit me. That's what Brad Keller was. And the, and the, 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 the Padres gave him a, a light slap on the wrist. Two earned runs. I guess they gave him the game loss. So, you know, L for him, but it's ridiculous. We'll, we'll have to talk about Brad Keller a little bit more in a minute. But this was it was just an absurd line. 3.2 innings pitch, three hits, three runs, two earned runs, eight walks, two strikeouts. 94 pitches, 39 strikes. His ERA is somehow still respectable at 4.36. How does he do it? He should be in jail for getting away with this kind of atrocity. So then the other two games, the Royals ended up winning them. They were both one-run wins. So shout out to the bullpen in these games because they definitely did their job on uh, Tuesday. That was the game Brady Singer pitched, and Brady Singer pitched not terribly so good job to him, and then the bullpen recorded three scoreless out innings. Out, I was saying, I was saying outings. I was trying to say that. I don't know how words work. Uh, a rollless Chapman for the seventh, which is a little bit surprising, but and it kind of made me nervous. But I guess it worked then. And then Taylor Clark in the eighth, Scott Barlow in the ninth, getting his fifth save of the year. Perfect inning from him. No hits, no nothing, just one strikeout. We love it. I love to see it. Scott Barlow. He, Scott Barlow is already down to a 3.86 ERA. So it's already looking like that awful, terrible start to the season he had is behind him. You can just kind of pretend it didn't even happen. You look at his ERA and you think, oh, well, that's not, it's not bad. I mean, for a closer, you, you want it to be lower, but it's getting lower. So it's fine. And then on, th on a Wednesday... Royals had a bullpen game. Once again, Carlos Hernandez came out, pitched the first two innings, threw straight gas the entire time. I think he was pitching like 101 uh, in, some, in some of those, or rather throwing 101 for some of those pitches. So he had two scoreless innings, four strikeouts. Really cool to see from him. And Mike Myers came out to pitch 2.2 innings, four walks, one earned run. 
and three strikeouts. So once again, guy comes out, walks an obscene amount of batters, an embarrassing amount of batters. Padres just don't care. Padres just completely take this for granted. They're like, ah, it's, it's no big deal. We don't, we don't need these runs. <laughs> we, we, we do not need runs for some reason. We do not enjoy winning baseball games. And then uh, things kind of got messy with Josh Taylor in the fifth inning, I believe it was. He recorded two outs and uh, gave up two hits, two earned runs, one walk. Just eh, not a good outing from Josh Taylor, unfortunately. And it's getting a little bit frustrating with this guy because there there has to be some small amount of hope that Josh Taylor will hit because we traded Alberto, Adel, Adelberto Mondesi for him. Once again, not making fun of him. I just don't know how to say words or names specifically. And even though Adalberto Mondesi has not played a game of Major League Baseball so far this season, we uh, still hope that Josh Taylor can be something. If he if he provides negative value, then frankly, we we were better off with Mondesi on the team. And uh, Jose Quas uh, helped fix him a little bit. Uh, he recorded two outs of his own, and they were okay. One hit, one walk, one strikeout. Yeah, Jose Quas, he's okay. And then once again, Aroldis Chapman in the seventh, Taylor Clark in the eighth, Scott Barlow in the ninth, and it worked again. Did well. Actually, actually, I say it worked again, except Chapman actually walked three batters in the inning. So so this outing for Chapman on on Wednesday, it went uh he walked Juan Soto immediately and then struck out Nelson Cruz, walked Hassan Kim, walked Ronet Odor, who by the way is an awful hitter this season, so that's embarrassing. Strikes out Trent Grisham and then throws a wild pitch. The pitch bounces off the backstop. Salvador Perez gets Juan Soto at home. The Padres just can't get us a break. Like, I don't even know if you can... Like, I don't even think you can get mad at them for this sort of play. But that's just kind of like the luck they've been having this season. Or maybe not not even luck. Just the, the hilarious... Uh, lack of success they've had this season where they, they they see an opportunity. They're like, oh, they finally made a mistake or another mistake, and so we can score off of this wild pitch, and then it just gets a, a hard, lucky bounce and is an easy caught-stealing pickoff attempt, whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's just hilarious. It's like that's what this series felt like. Just, oh, Padres have the bases loaded, and then they do nothing. How many times did they have the bases loaded this series? That's what I want to know because I felt like every inning they had the bases loaded, and then they just wouldn't score. They are, they are exceptionally um, disappointing. I, I, I feel a little bit bad for Padres fans, but you know what? Not my business, not my problem. And, you know, like I said, the Padres, they didn't play very well this series, but the Royals didn't play very well either. It was um, on Tuesday's game, the Brady Singer game. Brady Singer was failed once again by his defense. It seems like just whenever Brady Singer pitches, some part of the team has to shut down. It's either the offense or the defense. And so, man, Nate Eaton is a guy that has really come under fire on this team. Fan base is really not enjoying him and his, what is his average hat at this point? It's not good at all. Um, after Wednesday's game, he actually got a hit on Wednesday. He rose his batting average to 61. 
61, like with a zero in front of the 61, point zero six one. Yeah, um, and also you want to know his slugging percentage? It's also 61 with a zero in front of the 61, but to the right of the decimal. Yeah, Nate Eaton is really going through it right now. And defensively on Tuesday, he made just one of the most ridiculous dives that I've ever seen an outfielder make. You had to wonder if it was actually Edward Olivares out there playing center field because he just dove after this Matt Carpenter line drive and it, it wasn't even close. Like, like there's one, it's one thing to miss. It's another thing to just make a bad dive. Like he dove and the ball bounced like three feet in front of him. It was not close. It was not something that he needed to dive at. And of course the ball got past him it ended up turning into extra bases. It might have also scored a run. So it was just a it was just a terrible, terrible play by Nate Eaton. That really stand that really stood out to me over this series. Lots of like defensive miscues. There was a Michael Massey chasing down a fly ball, taking it from Nick Prado, and they almost collided. So it was kind of like a like a last second communication sort of thing. There was also Bobby Wood Jr. cutting in front of Michael Massey to field something and then dropping it. Um, so what you know, just communication seems to be a bit of an issue, which you have to hope is just a a, a problem with like a young team. You know, they're lo- they're they're young. They're they're they haven't played together very long. They are still, I guess, trying to figure out who takes priority in these kinds of situations. I suppose because all three of the guys that I just mentioned, or even all four of the guys I, I mentioned, Nate Eaton, although he's not a factor in this one, but Bobby Wood Jr., Michael Massey, Nick Prado, they're all very good fielders. So they're all looking at each of these plays thinking, hey, I can I can take this. I got this. But, you know, there's probably a, a list of priority where it's like Bobby Wood Jr. should get it if he can get it, then Michael Massey, then Nick Prado. Um, that still has to be learned by the players themselves, I believe, especially in games when, you know, your instinct is, hey, I got it. I can get I can make this play. So not like too mad about this, but it was just, you know, kind of messy baseball overall. Let me get a little sip of this. Mm-hmm. I did that as loudly as possible to fill dead time. And then there was also Matt Duffy who played second base on uh, which day was it? It doesn't really matter, but he had just this terrible play where... He like misplayed a ground ball and then threw it away. It's like he it's like he committed two errors at the same time. It was horrible. Like Matt Duffy, you know, I respect Matt Duffy and I appreciate that he is here, but he hasn't been as as sharp defensively as we've uh, might have hoped he would be. The only good thing is that his his batting average still looks incredibly high because the Royals just don't put him in the lineup very often. He doesn't get a lot of at bats, so. Whenever, whenever he does get an at-bat, even if it isn't very productive, it's like, well, hey, he's still hitting like 350 <laughs> because you just never see him. Oh, I'm sorry. He's actually hitting 333. Oh, no. We got a DFA. Actually, no. He's hitting 328. No. We got a DFA Matt Duffy. It's over. It's it's Jover, boys. And I feel like there were, there were even more defensive misplays that series, but I uh, uh, honestly just cannot entirely recall them right now, Uh, but you kind of get the point anyway. Royals play bad. Padres play bad. Somehow the Royals won this one, though. Um, But speaking of Nate Eaton, 
wanted to mention him again. Actually, you know what? We'll save Nate Eaton for a little bit. I actually wanted to get back to the pitching. Now, before we actually get to the pitching, sorry, but I got to add something to the show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Thanks for your patience. Wanted to get back to the pitching because we were talking about how many walks these guys gave up. Now, Aroldis Chapman, it's like that that outing was whatever. It wasn't good, but all's well that ends well with him. He's been successful, so I will just choose to side in the favor of success with him and not focus on the failure. However, Brad Keller, 3.2 innings pitched, 8 walks. 8 of them. Yeah. Um, I think you you'd be hard pressed to find an outing where a pitcher went six or seven innings and gave up eight walks. Although I guess that makes sense because if you give up a walk, that's probably a lot of uh, pitches you have to throw. So you're probably not getting to six or seven innings. Brad Keller has pitched 43.1 innings this season so far. He has issued 40 walks so far this season so um that obviously leads major major league baseball very clearly second place is alec manoa of the blue jays he is 32 in 45 innings mind you so actually that's not many more innings than brad keller but it is significantly fewer walks i suppose brad keller's Walks per nine is above eight. It's 8.3. Manoa's is 6.4, which is awful. It's terrible, especially for a starter. But yeah. And then you go down the list. Third place is uh, Edward Cabrera of the Marlins with 30. Jack Laherty of the, Car- of the Cardinals with 29. Michael Kopech of the White Sox with 28. Kodai Senga of the Mets with 26. Uh, Ryan Feltner of the Rockies with 25, as well as Blake Snell tied for 7th with 25 of the Padres. We did not see him over this series, though. Shane McClanahan in ninth with 24, which is interesting because Shane McClanahan's actually really good. Maybe he's like the Dylan Cease of the years so far. And then you go down to 10th, tied for 10th, and it's a bunch of guys with 23. So... Most For the most part, this is just a highlight, just how far ahead Brad Keller is in walks compared to pretty much the rest of baseball. Like, the closest guy isn't even all that close. And then guys that are 
Guys that are that are considered to have really bad walk rates are considerably like they have almost they have just a little bit more than half of the of the walks issued uh, than than Keller does. Totally stumbled upon that sentence right there, but you get it, right? So it makes me wonder, like, what is the issue with Brad Keller? What is the freaking deal with this guy? And it seems like the issue that he is having this season, because there was an article written on the Kansas City Star by our new beat writer. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but the, the Kansas City Star has a beat writer for the Royals again named Jalen Thompson. So that's pretty cool. I think I did mention it, but shout out to him for writing this article. It basically highlights the biggest issue that Keller admits he has, which is tempo. It seems like he just cannot pitch at a comfortable pace this season, which is interesting because I, Brad Keller never really stood out to me as like a particularly slow pitcher or anything. I actually thought he was someone who had maybe a better uh, pace than a lot of other guys. In fact, uh, yeah, I found it on on a baseball savant. You can actually see the tempo of pitchers. And Brad Keller in 2021 was the fifth fastest pitcher based on tempo, which is to say he was one of the fastest at, you know, actually starting his pitch. Um, you know, get, he, he doesn't take a lot of time between pitches. He was 17th in baseball with pitch tempo. So it's kind of weird that this is now suddenly an issue. He went to driveline this winter and it revealed that he was like slow getting he was like he was pretty slow with his delivery so i guess that might be the thing like he's just trying to speed up his delivery but he's also been talking about how he just can't really get into quite a comfortable pace he often like overcorrects or undercorrects or or things like that i don't know i don't know if this is necessarily a result of the pitch clock i assume it is probably a little bit it's just very very odd so yeah on a what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday start against the Padres, he, he mentioned that he was either working too slow or too fast for his comfort. And that's just, it's just a very, very weird issue, and it just makes me wonder, like, what exactly is the fix to that? And who is able to fix that? Because we were definitely hoping, we were definitely hoping that Brad Keller would be a much improved pitcher with these new pitching coaches that we have. However... Unfortunately, and, and I think this is kind of the, the case with the rest of the pitching staff in general, it's starting to look like this is more of a Brad Keller issue than anything. Like, we have coaches in place to help him, to guide him through whatever he needs to, but at the end of the day, it's on the player to perform, you know? It's on the pitchers to perform. And so, you know, if he was bad with one pitching coach, Cal Eldred, all right, well, he goes to driveline, he gets new pitching coaches in uh, spring training and the major league season this year, and he's still bad. It's like, well, he, he's seen all these different people who have told him all these different things. If none of them are working, then I think maybe the issue was just with him, for better or for worse. That's kind of where I'm at with this pitching staff in general, where I feel like we do have good coaches in place, but if they're not doing, if the pitchers are not doing what exactly is uh, said that they should be doing, then I think it's just a matter of the pitchers not being good enough, unfortunately. I mean, the Royals, these pitching coaches, they have installed, they have instilled a philosophy. They have brainwashed all of their pitchers. They have brainwashed all of the arm talent on this roster to throw in the strike zone. Raid the zone, they said. And so 
if a guy isn't throwing in the zone, well, what do you even do at this point? Like, what do you even do to them? You can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Or I guess a better analogy in this case would be, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't know. It, For better or for worse, I feel like the pitching staff in Kansas City, it's more of an issue of the talent that is on this roster. It's just simply not adequate. It is not enough to compete. And no amount of coaching is going to elevate that talent to the level where it can compete. I say that's for worse because obviously this 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 to me is reading like a more and more hopeless situation by the day. If Brad Keller can't get going and if then I mean like no one else is really getting going then you know like what do you even do? Like there's nothing we can really do with these guys. We were hoping that Brad Keller would be at least an adequate starter to the point where he could be a, a tradable piece. I feel like that that ship has sailed. It's over. Like, no one is going to trade for this guy with the amount of walks he gives up. The ERA is a total lie. There is no reason why he should have a 4.3 ERA right now with all the walks he's giving up. It should be like a 6.3. So at this point, Brad Keller is really just Jordan Lyles 2.0, where I think he's going to be on the roster for the rest of the season just because the Royals need someone to, to throw those outs. They need someone to throw those innings. And, uh, yeah... Kind of a shame that this is uh, how Brad Keller's tenure in KC is going to end. Um, but I also say it's for better because I guess it's, you know, it like, okay, so it's a hopeless situation for 2023. I don't see it really improving much. I don't see the pitching improving much this season, but I still think that we have the right people in charge so that when we do acquire better talent, that we will have much better results. I don't think that, you know, we're going to watch another five years of bad pitching like we did from 2018 to 2022. I don't think we're going through that again. But we are dealing with the consequences, the remains of that era where we just simply acquired the wrong guys. Or maybe it wasn't even the mat- a matter of acquiring the wrong talent. Maybe the coaching that they received earlier is just too deeply embedded into them where they can't be re-coached or something like that. Because a, a couple of weeks ago, I had this uh, spreadsheet where I, I highlighted all of the pitchers that have ever been coached by Cal Eldred and all the coaches at the AA and AAA level that have not been coached by Cal Eldred. And the results were shockingly different from each other, where the pitchers that have been coached by Cal Eldred at some point have a way higher ERA. They just can't get rid of the, the ghost of Cal Eldred haunts these men every single day. It's horrible. It's horrifying. But unfortunately, I just don't know if anything can be done to really fix, you know, these these pitchers that have that the Royals have already failed for two or three years at this point. It just kind of seems like this is what it is with them. It is what it is, as all depressed men say. Like, really, as far as organizational pitching the development goes, I mean, for what it's worth, the bottom levels of the of the minor leagues do have some really good pitching. I think it was said that the low A and the high A and the double A squads all have the highest strikeout rate of their respective leagues in the minor leagues. So it's good pitching is coming. It's on the way. 
but probably not for another couple of years, which is definitely not something anybody wants to hear. And I definitely don't want to believe that either. I do not want to believe that it's going to be two or three years before the Royals finally see a good starting pitcher, a good homegrown starting pitcher on their roster, or rather multiple good homegrown starting pitchers on their roster, because this should have happened already by this point. But you look at the AAA level, and there's just nothing here. You know, I mentioned Jackson Kowar. Jackson Kowar has been terrible. Our best hope is that maybe, just just maybe, at the Major League level, the coaches can see something and think, oh, hey, wait, this is good. Do this, and then that will work, and then he'll be a good pitcher. I don't know how it works. I'm just throwing out prayers, essentially. Daniel Lynch will be back. Probably within a week. I'm not entirely sure when. The Royals do not have a probable starter for Sunday's game. Just FYI. It could be then. I don't know. I also think the way the rotation works, it would actually be like Tuesday would be another bullpen game unless he comes back for that. Uh, which I would actually enjoy seeing because I'm going to the game on Tuesday. So please come back, Daniel Lynch, on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, the Royals just had to call up Mike Myers again. Again, they didn't have to call him up earlier, but yeah, the Royals had to call up Mike Myers, who I mentioned earlier is not a good pitcher. He's been a journeyman pitcher his entire career. He's a 6.88 ERA at AAA. He's already 31 years old. I, I described this guy as a in case of emergency break glass situation. We've we've broken the glass. This is it's happened. Mike Myers is now on the roster. He has a 2.2 WHIP. Which is which is entirely fair because he's only thrown one. He's only pitched one outing. But I mean, his one outing, he walks how many guys? He walked four guys in under three innings. It's just terrible. It's not good. He should have been lit up in his, in this outing. Like he did not pitch a good outing. It's just once again the Padres loaded the bases and were completely incapable of doing anything productive. Like they loaded the bases and then immediately hit into a double play. So, it wasn't a good outing. I do not feel good with Mike Myers on this roster. I don't feel good with a lot of guys on this roster. But unfortunately, I don't know if there's anything the Royals can really do about this immediately. Maybe other hope is that they are able to trade the bullpen pieces that they have right now or some other guys, maybe even like some prospects. I've mentioned in I've mentioned briefly how the Royals have a lot of catching depth. You know, the Guardians have Mike Zunino striking out literally every other plate appearance. Mike Zunino seriously has like a 50% strikeout rate right now. And their backup catcher is Cam Gallagher, who's hitting like 100 if anyone's like worried that Cam Gallagher would turn into a star anywhere else. No, that has not happened. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. Oh, I'm sorry. Cam Gallagher's not hitting 100. Cam Gallagher's hitting 70. Like with a zero in front of the 70. So um, that's a team that really needs some catching depth right now. Or, or needs any catcher. Oh, hey, the Royals have like four catchers. They're, they only need two of them. Hmm. Would be worth looking at. And hopefully maybe the Royals can get some pitchers back. Some starting pitchers. Some starting pitching prospects. Even if it's someone like Max Castillo. Did I mention that Max Castillo is not on the roster? Oh, no. Max Castillo was optioned. I'm sorry. I totally forgot to mention that. Whoops. Whatever. I don't really think you cared all that much anyway. <laughs> Something tells me that. Because I certainly don't care. I mean, although, for what it's worth, he did his job. 
he was actually all right um, at the major league level. So good on him for doing what he needed to do. But yeah, that's the only other hope that we can really have for this season. The Royals managed to get some starting pitching depth back, even if it's like some mid-level prospects. If they can just fill out the rotation, like we, I will take a, a, a like an organization's number five starting pitching prospect, and not even like, and I don't mean like their fifth best starting pitching prospect. I mean a starting pitching prospect with a ceiling of a number five guy. That's what I will take for. I mean, some guys you hope you can get a little bit more out of, like Scott Barlow, like Chapman, the way he's pitching this season. I think there are lots of options that the Royals have at the trade deadline, but hopefully they really use this opportunity to get some guys back. Or maybe they find some other guy on the waiver wire and the coaches are like, hey, we know how to fix this guy's delivery or his mechanics or whatever. Let's get a hold of him. Let's take a lottery ticket there, in in a way. Yeah, but that's about it. Like, I don't think that anybody in the Royals organization is going to come to save this team immediately. Everyone is, all the good guys are at the double A level at best. So they're not coming up this season. Daniel Lynch will be back at some point. Maybe Angel Zerpa. Maybe that's another guy, though I have no idea when he's coming back. That's about it. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. It's bad, but eventually it will get better. I know no one wants to hear eventually, but there are signs that progress is being made, just not at the major league level, unfortunately. With maybe a small exception to Brady Singer. Because Brady Singer, for what it's worth, did have a good outing. This was on Tuesday. He pitched six innings. Only two earned runs, four runs overall, but again, defense just failed in this game. Um... Only three strikeouts, but also only two walks. So he navigated through the lineup. He did a pretty good job. Seven hits. Um, he, he like nothing about it. Nothing about this outing really stands out. But given that Brady Singer has been really, really bad this season, I'll take it. I'll accept it. Um, Brady Singer has basically been different every single start. It seems like every start he is working on something different, doing something different, and usually it doesn't work out. But you know, I was I was kind of a uh, joking, quote unquote, joking that Brady Singer will have one good start and then the next two or three starts will be awful. Well, he only had one bad start in between his two good his his two most recent good starts. So you have to wonder if is is this going to be turning the corner? Actually, wait, no, not even that. This is a second good start in a row. Because, you know, yeah, he went six innings, two earned runs. The start before was against the White Sox, where he went six innings, one earned run. Oh. Well, you have to hope that something is happening with Brady Singer, that he's finally showing some progress. <sighs> because we, man, if Brady Singer is not good this season, then it's going to get real weird in Kansas City. It's going to get very, very uncomfortable. It is going to be a warm summer. And not in a good way. The kind of summer that you just want to get away from. You want to hide in the shade and just sleep until night where the sun won't hurt you. It won't bother you. You just want to be comfortable. You just want to feel relaxed. But it's too stressful out in the heat. Where am I going with this? I need to stop. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this uh, Royals pitching staff. Just... Don't really uh, get your hopes up that it's going to be better because I stopped doing that. 
Anyway, um, also some hitters that I want to talk about. Something interesting that's happened is that Vinny Pasquantino was kind of on a slump for a little bit. He was hitless in four straight games and even with a three-game hitting streak uh, starting three days ago, uh, continuing right now, um, he's hitting 111 for the past week with a 200 on base and only a 222 slugging, which includes a home run. Uh, He did hit a home run at this point this week. And uh, the Royals offense in this time has not been looking pretty. They actually have a 64 weighted runs created plus in that time, which is the third worst in baseball. They're hitting 199 with a 268 on base and a 341 slugging. Um, The only like somewhat good things about this or some silver linings is that their run scored is like, okay, uh, it's not good, obviously, but it's a little bit better than, you know, like, third or fourth worst in baseball. It's a little bit closer to like 20th or rather it's hovering around 25th. In other words, it's not, it's not very good. And I was actually starting this bit thinking that the Royals offense wasn't like actually that bad um, for this past week, but I guess it was a lot worse than I thought it was. I was about to say like, Hey, you know, when the, when Vinny slumps, the, the Royals offense is still like, okay, because, and that's good because it means that Vinny doesn't have to completely carry this team anymore. Um, you know, he's got like eight hitters around him that are pretty solid, but maybe not really, actually. Hmm. Do I know what I'm talking about? This is unfortunate. So instead, I'll just talk about the two guys I wanted to complain about the most. Uh, Nate Eaton. We've already kind of complained about him, and yeah. Um, I wanted to... Comment on this because, you know, Nate Eaton, he's not good, and I've complained about him a lot. And I want to believe in what in the Royals' belief in him that he will, you know, just get this turned around at some point or another. Because this worked for Michael Massey. That's that's the really interesting thing about Nate Eaton. Like around this time last month, I was complaining about Nate Eaton and Michael Massey at the major league level, thinking these guys are completely terrible. I believe that they can be good players, but they are absolutely not good players right now. They're not even major league players. They both need to be optioned. And the Royals listened to me for Nate Eaton. They optioned him, but they kept Michael Massey around. And that infuriated me in a way because he just wasn't good at all. His approach was terrible. He wasn't doing anything right, really. Even when he did start to hit, I didn't believe it. I'm just like, oh, he's hitting some weak singles. Anyone can do that. It's not. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't fix the overall problem. But then Michael Massey did start putting the the bat on the ball a lot better. He started making much better quality contact. Um, he started taking walks. He started just doing everything right, essentially. So going back all the way to this time last month. So let's start at April 18th. From April 18th, Michael Massey has been hitting 270. With a 345 on base. Only a 378 slugging, which isn't, you know, crazy good. 724 OPS. But right there, you do have a productive hitter in your lineup. You do have a productive hitter, especially if he's going to play gold glove caliber second base. That's a regular in your lineup right there. That will play. Nate Eaton, of course, has not done anything similar. I'm not even going to pull up game logs or anything like that. I'm just trying to say... Michael, they're, they're pay, the Royals' patience in Michael Massey, it paid off. It worked. He actually did get it together, and I'm happy for him about that. And I'll concede, I was wrong. I was wrong in saying that he should be optioned. 
Um, he absolutely did turn it around, and I'm, and I'm happy to be proven wrong in a case like this. However, Nate Eaton has not shown any progress whatsoever. I do not think that he is working on the same turnaround that Michael Matthews had this season so far. And, you know, I commented on that defensive blunder he had on, like, Tuesday. And that's just like, like, like if he can't even field well, then that, like, that, that should have been his bread and butter. That should have been, like, his, his thing. Like, we can accept him being a below average hitter if he can be a great outfielder. And he's not even doing that right now. And in fact, this was kind of the issue he was having the last time he was at the major league level. The last time, like before he got optioned the first time, he was starting to misplay these fly balls. And it's like, dude, this is supposed to be your thing and you can't, and you're not even doing that right. Now, maybe it's just nerves, yips, whatever you want to call it. But unfortunately, it just doesn't look like Nate Eaton is getting it done. And I feel like it's time for him to get optioned again because we just can't have a guy hitting 75 in the lineup. I mean, we're at this point now where we should expect some amount of progress. We should accept amount. We should, we should expect some kind of contribution to the team. And if you can't do that, then we're gonna find someone else who can. Samad Taylor is still hitting really well. He has like an 850 OPS in AAA right now. My guy Tucker Bradley, where is he? Bring him up. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. Say what you will, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a terrible hitter, but he at least catches fly balls reliably. He still makes some really good defensive plays. So that's why he's on the roster still, even if he's not necessarily, he's not the truth or anything. He's not someone that we necessarily want to be on the roster. We would like to hope that there is someone who is better than Jackie Bradley Jr. in the Royals organization right now. But whoever that is, his name is not Nate Eaton. It doesn't even rhyme with Nate Eaton. The other guy we need to talk about is Bobby Witt Jr. Man, Bobby Witt Jr. is such an up-and-down player. Not even necessarily like like he gets on these... Not like Salvi, where you know he'll have these really amazing streaks of fantastic hitting and then just cool off into being like the worst hitter in baseball. I mean, like, I feel like pretty much every game he will have like a really good moment and a really bad moment. Like, I, I, so often this season, I have, you know, watched a Bobby Wood Jr. plate appearance and thought, wow, that was freaking terrible. Bobby Wood Jr. is having an awful game today. And then I actually see he's like two for five, <laughs> like, you know, with an RBI or something. So it's like he actually does do good things pretty often. Or he'll make like a really great defensive play, which he did do over the course of this series, as usual. But... I don't know. It's just so weird. It's it's weird. I feel really conflicted about him as a player, I guess, which might not necessarily be a good thing because, you know, we were hoping Bobby Wood Jr. would be, would be like a slam dunk star player, and that hasn't necessarily happened yet so far this season. But what I really want to talk about is that Bobby Wood Jr. is hitting leadoff, which I don't necessarily dislike in concept, but I do think that hitting leadoff requires particular skills most notably some plate discipline that Bobby has not at all exercised and I feel like at this point the Royals really need to have like a like a conversation about this like they need to, need to sit him down and be like okay dude we let you bat lead off we let you be the first hitter in this lineup not necessarily to give you special treatment but because we want you and expect you to 
you know, work on some plate discipline a little bit. We want you to be taking pitches a little bit more. Like if you're going to, if you want to stay at the leadoff position, there are some things that you have to do, like take pitches, take some walks. I don't know when exactly they started hitting Bobby Wood Jr. leadoff, but I will at least say through the month of May so far um, in 15 games, he only has four walks and 17 strikeouts. Like we were, I was at first a little bit excited thinking, oh, Bobby Witt Jr., he's taking a few more walks this season, striking out a few less times this season. But it kind of seems like that's come undone. It just really seems like he's more or less replicating his, uh, the season that he had last year, which wasn't particularly great. As a matter of fact, I was thinking over this, uh, these last couple of days, I was thinking, hey, you know, Bobby is better right now than he was at this point last year, right? Because remember last year when he was hitting like 100 through the month of April, like he was just so bad for his first month in the major leagues. So I actually, you know, pulled up the game logs for both seasons. And on uh, May 19th, by this point last year, actually, that's not entirely fair because it's a different amount of games. So, so far, he's played 45 games. His 45th game last year, he had a 236 average with a 276 on base. In 45 games this season, he has a 234 average with a 277 on base. It's almost identical. <laughs> but his slugging this year is 429, whereas last year it was 448, which is a little bit different. 706 OPS versus 724. So he's not even hitting the ball quite as hard. So yeah, I was thinking, oh, he's he's definitely a lot more consistent this year as opposed to last year when he had this really awful start and then started to get hot. No, not not really actually. As a matter of fact, this just this season he was hitting almost 300 at one point when he, when we were in the Braves series. He had a game where he was his batting average almost reached 300 and then it went back down. So yeah. Actually, he's not off to like a better start than he was last year. As a matter of fact, since his batting average was 300, he's hitting 205. But I mean, you can say that's a lot, a little bit better when you look at the month of May specifically, which again, 254 in the month of May. Did I mention that earlier? Uh, maybe I didn't. But whatever. Point is, Bobby Wood Jr. is not showing the skills needed to be a leadoff hitter. And that's starting to become a problem with the Royals. This is a this is kind of like what I was saying with Nate Eaton. If the if this guy can't do it, the Royals got to find someone else who can. And I do think that there are guys who can do this. I think Michael Garcia has shown much better plate discipline with similar contact skills that Bobby has shown so far this season. Not as much power, sure, but I do think that like, I would trust Michael Garcia in the leadoff position more than Bobby Wood Jr. at this point. I would actually trust. I would actually trust uh, MJ Melendez in the leadoff spot last year. I thought that worked decently last season. Sure, he doesn't hit the ball a whole lot, but he'll definitely take some walks. You know who else takes some walks? Nick Prado. That's someone that you can consider for um, the leadoff spot. He definitely takes some walks, and so far he's off to a, a fantastic start. Now, I don't think that you know, he's going to keep up a 328 batting average or anything like that, but... I'm just saying, the Royals have some options here. The Royals have some guys that can get on base a whole lot better than Bobby Wood Jr. can. And maybe 
on to some degree the Royals want to give Bobby some some special treatment. They want to give him some priority because you know he's Bobby Wood Jr. He's he, he used to be the number one prospect in baseball. He's a second overall pick. Like we have so much excitement. We have so much um you know invested in this guy. So we want this all to work, but it's it's up to Bobby at this point. If he's not going to be doing what we need him to do, then we got to find someone else who's going to be the guy worthy of all of our hype. Wanted to bring that up, but we'll just have to see what happens if the Royals decide to change their strategy. They decide to do anything with him. I mean, honestly, you know, I would I would say they could keep Bobby in the leadoff in the, in the leadoff spot, but like I said, they need to have some kind of talk with him. I would I would legit just say to Bobby right now, like, hey. First plate appearance of the game, okay? Don't swing. Don't swing at all. Doesn't matter what pitcher it is. Don't doesn't matter what they throw. Just do not swing at anything. And then afterwards, we can review like what did you think you should have swung at as it, as the plate appearance was happening. What should you actually have swung at? You know, when looking at the the, the replay. You know, I don't know. That's just a random idea, but what do I know about coaching baseball players? I'm just some guy on the internet with a microphone and a bunch of silly anime posters. Have you seen my appearance on cl- on a visiting dugout with the Sox Populi podcast? Yeah, you should go check that out. Link in the show notes. You can see how stupid I look. I have the most appropriately decorated room of any baseball media guy in the world. So go check that out. Um, and so I'm going to not do the usual visiting, or not visiting, I'm not going to do the usual series preview we've got um, against the Chicago White Sox. I've already talked about the Sox a lot. Uh, I'll just briefly mention probable pitchers Michael Kopech on Friday, then Lucas Giolito on Saturday, then Lance Lynn on Sunday for the White Sox. We're also going to send out Zach Greinke, then Jordan Lyles, and then, I don't know, no one's listed. So, have fun, Royals. This is going to be this is going to be a fun series, for sure. But yeah, go check out Visiting Clubhouse, where, we, where I talk about the White Sox a little bit, what I think about them going forward, um, and also just some other stuff about, so, some other Royals discussion that we have. So, uh, yeah, and I'll see you on Monday, but whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. I'm going to head out. Have a good Friday, everybody. I will see you later. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review, leave a rating, would appreciate that a whole lot. Or you can yell at me directly at Royal Deluxe Pod or at the MF and Casey. That's my own Twitter for other non-baseball kinds of shenanigans. And further inquiries can be sent to royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. See you on Monday. Until then, I'm Lux and go Royals.